is without your son that we have no chance or no hope to have a right relationship with you. But because of your son, we are made right. We are made holy. We are made righteous because of our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And it's apart from anything we can do on our own. And so, God, may we understand that that is your very wisdom. That is the wisdom of the cross. That is the wisdom that you have given us. And, God, may we understand that that is the beginning of all wisdom in life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn into the book of Proverbs. And then also you can mark, uh, mark Proverbs. We're going to be jumping around in a couple of verses, uh, a couple of chapters even, uh, just to cover a number of things. And then you can also mark 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25, which is the song we just, or sorry, the verses we just read when, when Jason read it. And uh, I want to encourage you with this is that I believe wholeheartedly that God is up to something here in Independence. I believe He's up to something in our church. I believe that God wants to do amazing things here in our community, not only through the people of our church, but through churches in Independence. And I can say this, I've said this from the get-go, I have a number of close relationships or close friendships with a number of pastors here in Independence area. And the one thing I will say that I get to experience that I haven't experienced Uh, everywhere else is that the pastors have a desire, number one, to hang out and connect with each other and pray for their city, but to see that God works in and around and through the churches in the area. And it really is this, and I hope you hear my heart completely. I want you here in our church. I believe that our church is a great church. I have a desire to see our church grow because I think that when a church is growing, a church is about God's duty. But I also want to see the churches in our area grow. And so I always tell people, look, if our church isn't the church for you, then I want to help you find the church for you because I think that's the greatest encouragement you can have. Knowing that not everybody's going to be drawn to our church, but I believe that there's a church here for you. So I'm not trying to ask you to leave. I want you to stay. But if you ever have a problem and you're like, man, I want to to find a church for me and maybe this isn't it. I want to encourage you. I'm going to point you in the right direction. Like I said, I have a number of friends uh, in the area that I think would be uh, great pastors. I know are great pastors. Um, So I want to say this. It's great to be back. Uh, I appreciate the time away uh, for my family, my wife and and kids. Matter of fact, our kids uh, came back for the first time in five weeks when they came back. Um, which is the first time we've ever done that. They spent five weeks with my parents and, and my, my nieces and nephews out in Wyoming. Um, and and uh, like to, to go and see my parents, I was like, what do you guys feel like? They're like, okay, maybe next time we'll only do three at a time. Because <laughs> six grandkids, all 12 and under, all in the house with my parents. I mean, I remember my dad calling me up one time. He's like, I had to discipline a couple of the kids. And I'm like, Good, because I remember when my grandpa spanked me the first time, it was the last time, because I knew my grandpa meant business. <laughs> and so I was like, hey, you got to do what you got to do, take it under control. But we got to spend a week, matter of fact, I'm going to have my son, Ethan, pop up that, that next slide. We got to spend a week up here in, I call it God's country, don't take this wrong, independence, but there is nothing like spending time up at our cabin. If you can see right down here in the bottom corner, kind of right here, see that? That's our cabin, uh, my family's cabin. We've had it since 1980s. This is where I hike to every morning. I got up about six every morning, except for the last day. We were exhausted after spending the day before hiking. Uh, But I got up at six every morning, hiked up to a rock. That's a rock right there I was sitting on um, and could overlook that area. And then I could turn and look to the north and see mountains. And to my left uh, or to the west was these, these mountains called the Haystacks, which is where I took the kids up the day before. But that is where we got to spend five days. Um, and that's what I grew up around. 
Um, and so being a big city boy now, I guess if you want to call it that, um, that is still home. Don't take that wrong. This is home, but that's home. You know what I'm talking about, right? For those of you who grew up somewhere else, they're still home. Even though I don't live there, I haven't lived there since I was 18, it's like, that's home. And so we, we want to encourage you. Thank you for that time away. And I want to thank Matt and Darren for filling in. I know uh, it's a lot, especially when you're uh, doing another job, working another job to come in and fill in. But I've listened to both their sermons. And I believe you guys were blessed greatly. I was encouraged uh, even greatly by their words as they spoke. And so we're going to be wrapping up our, our, our wisdom series today. And I can't emphasize enough the importance about reading Proverbs. The whole time I was up there, I kept reading through Proverbs. I'd read through it. I'd read six or seven chapters a day, read it, read it, reread it. Uh, and I just started looking at, okay, God, how did you, how do we gain wisdom from all of these things? And I believe that if you will read, make a habit of reading a Proverbs a day, then you will start to gain the understanding and wisdom that God has set up for you. Wisdom from everything under the sun, whether it's finances or family or marriage or just how to be a person of moral integrity and character and things like that. Those are key things I believe that God wants to use to teach you. Matter of fact, there's a great theologian, a great pastor from back in the 1800s named Charles Spurgeon who once said that wisdom is the right use of knowledge. In other words, I could have all the knowledge in the world, but if I don't use it rightly, I'm not wise. Am I correct? I mean, in reality, would you not say that? You know things that are right and wrong, so you have the knowledge of it, but you may not use the wisdom to put it into practice. Wisdom is having the right knowledge and using it, is the right use of the knowledge. And so we're going to wrap up today by looking at what it means to have wisdom in life. See, we can have all kinds of head knowledge, all kinds of book knowledge. Matter of fact, you may know a person who is brilliant, super smart, and when it comes to what we would call common sense, they don't have it. You know what I'm talking about, right? They just don't have the wisdom. They don't have the understanding. And so we want to jump into really what I believe is something we're going to look at, and that is how do we have wisdom in life, wisdom in the everyday decisions, wisdom in the things that we're supposed to do, because we want to avoid what Forrest Gump so keenly stamped as stupid as a stupid does, right? I mean, I don't want to be known for being a stupid person based upon what I do. Do you? I mean, I think everybody I would say or would understand or know would say, look, I have no desire to be identified as stupid. But all of us know somebody who would say, man, that dude was stupid in this situation, or that person, or maybe it was yourself. Man, I was stupid in that decision, or I was stupid in those actions, or I was stupid in saying those words to that individual, that person. So today's sermon is going to be more of a topical one to a certain extent, all right? But we're going to dive in and look at what Proverbs said, because we're going to take a, a few verses out of Proverbs that will hopefully, hopefully help you make wise decisions in areas of your life. So here's the key thing. If you remember anything today, I want you to remember this, that wisdom leads me down a path of life while foolishness will solely lead you to destruction. Wisdom leads me down a path to life or of life while foolishness leads to destruction. Now, some of you are going to think, if you think back to the very first week we ever did that, that's more or less the key theme of that first sermon's topic, just in a different way. Because the point of wisdom is to lead you into a life that experiences life. 
all right? Not a life that leads you to death. We want to lean away from or walk away from stupid decisions that are going to cause us problems, and we want to walk into wise decisions that will lead us to life, and life more abundantly as, as Jesus talks about it. So if you remember that, remember this point very from, from the very start. Wisdom leads me down a path of life, while foolishness leads me to destruction. And so I'm going to cover two key things that I think that we're going to look at today that I hope will be the very foundation of wisdom, the understanding of wisdom, and then we'll cover a couple of topics based on that. But number one is this, wisdom begins and ends with God. We started that by looking at Proverbs chapter one. If you look at Proverbs chapter one, all of Proverbs, I think, can be summed up in the first seven verses of Proverbs. Listen again to what it says. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now he says this in verse two, for attaining wisdom and what? All right. Have you ever met a wise person who's not disciplined? I haven't. Most wise people I know in some way, shape, or form have discipline in their lives so they can be wise. They have disciplined themselves to say no to certain things and yes to other things. To maybe say, hey, I don't need that car so I can have it in the end. You know, if you look back at, at Dave Ramsey's idea of, of finances, Dave Ramsey always says, live like no one else today so you can live like no one else Tomorrow, if you keep doing what the world does, you're going to end up being where the world is. And what we want to say is this, wisdom begins and ends in God. And, and so Proverbs is literally laying this out, Song of Solomon. These Proverbs are for attaining wisdom and discipline, listen, for understanding words of insight, to let the white, whoops, sorry, I skipped a couple verses, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, listen to that, prudence to the simple. You may say, I'm just a simple person, all right? Well, hey, good, guess what? Proverbs will give you prudence to the simple, all right? Knowledge and discretion to the young. You ever met a young person? You're like, man, that guy's pretty wise, all right? Knowledge and discretion to the lung, yet the, let the wise listen and add to the learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. And then listen to this. This is where I believe it all begins. This is the foundation of it all. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? It's the beginning of knowledge, but listen, fools despise wisdom and discipline. All right, if we go back to that statement where Charles Spurgeon said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge, listen to what, what Solomon is saying. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Wisdom is the right use of the knowledge that God gives us. So what we begin to see is that wisdom begins with God and it ends with God, and that's why we jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I really wanted to get into this because I believe that the basis of the book of Proverbs is those first seven verses. So we must strive to make decisions, wise decisions, not based on earthly wisdom, not based on what man says, but based on godly direction in everything that we do. As a matter of fact, if you would look at this word, it says uh, the beginning, all right, and I'm, I'm going to jump, sorry, let me, let me get this. The beginning word where we see it in here is the same word used in Genesis, which means to start, okay, all right, the word beginning. All right, where am I at here? We've got to find this. Sorry. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, right? All right, so the same word is used in Proverbs chapter 1 as we see in Genesis chapter 1 in the, what? Beginning. So what, what God's saying is in the beginning, at the head of time, before anything else, there is this. And so what we see is the fear of the Lord is the 
beginning. It's at the start. It's the same word as Genesis. It means to start or it's at the head of the time. And so you cannot gain knowledge of spiritual things. You cannot gain wisdom if you begin at the wrong point or refuse to fear the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and knowledge leads us into wise decisions. I have to have the head knowledge, but I also have to be wise in what's going on. So wisdom begins with God, and it's going to end with God. So if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I told you to mark yourself there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. We've already read it. I just want to unpack this just very briefly, very simply, very quickly, all right? Because I I think it's something that we all have to understand. This is actually... And, and I say this a lot. I don't know why I, I consistently say this. This is one of my favorite parts of Scripture. You ever notice that? Like, I say this a lot. Because it's like, oh, it, it just lights up everything. You, you start to read something, you're like, oh, man, this is my favorite. And you read something else, and, well, no, this is my favorite. But listen to what he says, in, starting in verse 18. For the message of the cross is what? It says foolishness. But who is it foolishness to? To those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Look, and here's the way it's going to happen in life. There are going to be wise decisions, and there are going to be foolish decisions. And there are going to be decisions where you feel like the Lord is leading you in the right direction, and the world is going to sit back and go, that's the dumbest thing in the world you could have ever done, because that's foolish. Matter of fact, following Jesus in the terms of the world would be foolish. That's what he's literally getting to in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because it says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. And then he asks this question, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Listen to me, and this is where it all starts. When we talk about the fear of the Lord, we have to understand that God has in store for us either consequences or blessings based upon the life we have chosen. Consequences because of our rejection, because of our sin, because of everything, or blessing because we experience life and life more abundantly in Christ. See, wisdom begins with God at the start. We said it's the beginning. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to be wise, it starts right there. You have to fear the Lord. It's an understanding that I will be held responsible for the consequences I face. There's the fear of the Lord, all right? But it's also the wisdom to know That God has a bigger plan in store. God is bigger than what man wants to say. God is bigger than man's wisdom. As a matter of fact, flip in there and and start to follow along again. Jews demand miraculous signs. And Greeks, what do they do? They look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Here's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God was Jesus Christ on the cross. The wise thing, the the wisest thing in the world is Christ on the cross. Because what Jesus says, or what God says is, through Jesus, you can now have a relationship with me as a result of Jesus' death on the cross. That's wisdom. But if you deny the wisdom of God, if you deny Christ on the cross, then what he's saying is you are foolish. Because what you're trying to do then is to do it all in man's way, all in man's 
terms. And so he says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block Jews, and foolishness to Gentiles, but those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the what? The wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God, and I love this. This is, this is one of those, I don't even know, like the play on words. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Think about that. God at his weakest point is stronger than you ever can imagine or hope for. You will never no matter how weak God may look to you, be able to overpower or overcome God. And you will never be so smart that you can do things without God. Why? Because the foolishness of God is wiser than you'll ever dream or imagine. I remember seeing some story one time that the human brain or, or the humanity, humans use really about 3 to 5% of their brain. If we just use 10%, what would happen as a result of it? But think about this. You on your best day doesn't even begin to compare to God on his worst day. You and your power doesn't even begin to compare to the power Jesus had on the cross when he suffered and bled and died. Can you imagine that? Like God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom and God's weakness is bigger and stronger than man's greatest strength. And so we begin to understand and see that wisdom begins and ends with God. See, the message of the cross is a message of self-renunciation, of obedience to God, which ultimately may lead to death, but it ultimately leads to life. I may die, I will die, but death will not be in vain. It will be a life-defining moment when I will see my Savior in heaven. That's the promise. I saw this quote earlier this week and I thought it was a great one. The disadvantage of becoming wise is you really realize how foolish you've been. Can anybody say amen to that? Because here's the reality. The disadvantage of becoming wise, wise in God, wise in the fear of the Lord is this, that you realize how broken, how humiliated, and how sinful you were and how much you needed Jesus. Because when you become wise you really realize how stupid you were in the first place or how foolish. That's the truth of the gospel right there. The gospel's point was to show us how in need of a Savior we are, how in need of Jesus we are, how every day the gospel should speak wisdom to my life. Why? Because the wisdom of the cross, the wisdom of the cross is the only thing I can hold on to. Why? Because I am so bad. Because I am so foolish. Look, every day, you and I know this, every day we do something we wish we would have never done. I mean, it may be something small, like making a statement to somebody, like coming across rude or hateful, like being impatient. Maybe you snapped at your kids, or maybe it was your wife or, or husband that you went off on because they had done something that offended you. We all are, are guilty of that. We're all full of sin. We all make stupid decisions. We're all foolish at times. But that's more and more why we need Jesus each and every day. We need Jesus in our families. We need Jesus in our homes. We need Jesus in our marriages. We need Jesus at work. We need Jesus on the road, right? I mean, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I need Jesus like 
driving so that I don't have to, because I still want to make comments. <laughs> like, like, I still want to be like, well, who are you, you moron? Where'd you learn to drive? You know, I mean, it's all kinds of things. Like, I need more and more Jesus every day. And I believe this wholeheartedly, that God may be calling you today, right now where you're at. He's opening your eyes of faith to believe the gospel. And I would say this, that you don't run away thinking that's foolish, but run to God knowing it's his wisdom. I believe wholeheartedly one of the biggest struggles we face is we look and we go, well, man says this. My friends are going to say this if I put my faith and trust in Christ. If I follow him wholeheartedly, people are going to, they're going to make fun of me. I'm going to be looked at like I'm a fool, like I'm an idiot. And Jesus says, yeah. And guess what? Who cares what man says? Because you made the wisest decision you could ever make, and that's to put me first and foremost, because that's how you experience life. See, wisdom begins and ends with God. It's the starting point to finding wisdom, and it's the ending point to finding life. Wisdom starts with God. Wisdom begins with God. And the wisest decision you will ever make is to repent and follow Jesus, to follow your or put your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14 says. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but who forever hardens their heart, falls into trouble. Blessed is the one who always trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Listen, Proverbs was written before Jesus was ever born. And what he's saying is this. When you follow or fear the Lord, you will walk in obedience. You will surrender to his call. But listen, whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Why do we fall into trouble? Because we've chosen a foolish decision. We've chosen to go through life on our own, to go without God, to reject God, to walk away from what God is calling me to. And then Proverbs 28, verse 26, those who trust in themselves, listen to this, and I think this is the thing that I talked about earlier, the message of the cross is a message of self-renunciation. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom, remember the wisdom of God, are kept safe. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. See, the idea is the fear or dread of the consequences of our sin, and we realize that there's going to be consequences at some point. But the fear idea is this, that we understand the consequences of our sin, and as a result, we put our faith and trust in Christ because the consequences of our sin are greater than anything that we could ever do to overcome those sins. So wisdom begins and ends with God. So the world may mock your decision, but it's the beginning of wisdom. As a matter of fact, the verse of the day today, if you are on version, uh, maybe you've seen this, but whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. That's the very wisdom of God right there. If you want to experience life and life more abundantly, you have life through Christ, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life. That's the promise, that's the hope, and that's where wisdom Begins. If you want to be a wise person, it has to start somewhere. There is a starting point. If I am leaving Independence, heading for California, where's my starting point? Independence, right? Like it does me no good to get directions to California from New York City because I'm not starting in New York City. Or it does me no good to get directions to California from Texas because me getting from Independence to California is not the same as going from Texas to California. 
You get the point, right? You have to have the right starting point to get the right direction. So if you want to be wise, you have to have the right starting point in life. And the starting point in life to be wise is beginning and ending with God. Being wise starts with God. Why? Because wisdom was created by God before the head of time. But it ends with God because Jesus is the very wisdom of God. Christ on the cross is the very wisdom of God. If you want to experience life and life more abundantly, you experience in Christ and Christ alone. And listen, I believe that Proverbs has a lot to say about everything else. We can talk about family. We can talk about marriage. We can talk about money. You can talk about job. You can talk about work. You can talk about extracurricular time. You can talk about pornography. You can talk about adultery. You can talk about sex. You can talk about all of that stuff based upon Proverbs. And Proverbs will give you the directions to avoid the pitfalls and the foolish things in life. Remember our, our sermon series title, Wisdom, the D-U-M. I don't, I don't know many people who want to be dumb, but a lot of times our decisions lead us down dumb roads or we lead us into dumb consequences because we weren't wise in the first place. And so the whole idea is wise words to avoid dumb decisions. So here's number two. We said that wisdom leads me down a path of life while foolishness leads to destruction. Number two is this. I believe that it's important that we pursue righteousness and love. That we pursue righteousness in Christ and we pursue love of Christ and the love of others. If you have your Bibles again, you can flip to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 21. And it says this. He who pursues righteousness and love finds prosperity, or excuse me, finds life, prosperity, and honor. All right, now, I want to clarify a couple of things. Number one, it says finds life. Number two, it says finds prosperity. The reality is that word is actually righteousness, all right? I don't know why the NIV, NIV took that, that, that liberty to do that, but it says he who pursues righteousness and love finds life and righteousness and honor. So this idea comes apart when we walk in obedience to the Lord and his word, we will find life, we will find righteousness, and we will find honor. I find it ironic to a certain extent that when you are a person of honesty and integrity, when you walk in obedience to God, how people, regardless of their religious affiliation, will oftentimes trust you because of what you do as a person of an integrity and moral value as a Christian. It is the utmost importance that as Christians, I believe that we pursue righteousness, that we pursue holiness, that we walk in obedience to what God has called us to do, that we follow God's words. I think one of the biggest struggles most people have is people claim Christianity, all right? Now listen, I understand we all are sinners. We, we're all going to struggle. We're all going to still sin even though we're saved by grace. But listen to me. There are people who will claim Christianity, know the Bible says one thing, and in a blatant disrespect and disregard will say, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm choosing the worldly way to go. And as a result, they're not pursuing righteousness, but rather they're pursuing unholiness and unrighteousness. Matter of fact, Paul says something about that in Romans chapter 6, that we should use our bodies as instruments of righteousness, not instruments of unrighteousness. Matter of fact, the word in there, instead of instruments, is actually a weapon of war. That we would use our bodies as a weapon of war for righteousness. Now, I'm not talking about taking up arms, 
and fighting. I'm talking about using your body as an instrument that produces righteousness so that when others see you, they see Christ in you. When others hear you speak, they hear Christ in your words. And so the reason why I bring this up is because I want to I talk about this, pursuing righteousness and love. This idea of love is what we call a hesed love. Um, for those of you who know anything about Hebrew, that's a covenantal love. It's the love that God oftentimes uses. When he says love in the Old Testament, a lot of times it's this hesed love. It's a covenantal love. He's not going to break it. He's not going to walk away from it. So when he talks about righteousness and love, he who pursues righteousness and love, this covenantal love, is an unconditional love just like agape love in the New Testament. And so he's literally laying this out. So we pursue this righteousness. We pursue this love, a love that God loved us first with, right? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, but he loved us. That's the result. Jesus' love, because it was covenantal, it was unconditional, led to his death. And so we pursue righteousness and love. Why? Because that's what Jesus did first and foremost. So we pursue righteousness and as a result, find it along or find along with it life and honor and righteousness. And I love how this verse goes. He who pursues. What's the idea of pursuing is? I mean, like if I'm getting chased by a cop, high speed chase, right? High speed, what? Pursuit. What's going on? I broke the law and he's trying to chase me down, right? Now, I'm not encouraging you to do this. Don't go out and do this, <laughs> okay? I don't need any phone calls. Hey, uh, I, was, I, was per, I was getting pursued, all right? No, no. Not, but if, if, if I'm being pursued, he's after me for a reason. There's something going on. But listen what it is. It's the idea that there is a righteousness to be pursued, and what am I supposed to do? Pursue it. He who pursues righteousness and love, he who goes after righteousness and love. He who sets his heart to being right before God, who right under God, right in God, is the one who will receive. What does he receive? Or finds life and righteousness and honor. So if I want to be wise or wise, I pursue righteousness. How do I pursue righteousness? I believe it has to come through God's word. You and I know that you cannot do what you don't know not to do. But keep in mind this. Proverbs is very clear. There is so much wisdom in the book of Proverbs and there is so much wisdom in the book of, 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 of the Bible that you will have an answer to every decision under the sun. You can choose to walk in wisdom or you can choose to run into foolishness. The choice is up to you. Every decision you make has a, a choice to be wise or foolish. And so I just want to encourage you with this, because think about this. When we pursue righteousness, we will find life and righteousness and honor. See, I, and I wrote this down this, the, today. Righteousness is being right in God's eyes, not man's. It is being obedient to God's word, not man's. And it is doing what God says, not man's. Not what man says. That's the whole idea. Righteousness is being right in God's eyes, that I'm pursuing obedience to God no matter the cost. It's being obedient to God's word no matter the cost, and it's doing what God says no matter what man says to you. Are you obedient to what God's word says? And I stand by this today. I have 
I haven't heard it here since I've been here, but as a youth pastor, I heard it a lot. And part of it, I think, is, is a lot, what I'll say is foolishness of teenagers and a lack of experience in life. But I have had so many people tell me, well, God told me I could do that. If it contradicts God's word, I'm going to tell you this right from the get-go. If it contradicts God's word, he never told you you could do it. I hope you hear that. If what you were called to do or what you say God told you to do contradicts his word, he never told you to do it. You know what told you to do it? It's called your fleshly desires. All right? Listen, listen to James chapter 5. All right? James chapter 5. Let me flip over there. I'm going to read it. I want you to understand. Or sorry, James chapter 1. Um, <clears throat> listen to what he says. Verse 13. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted. When? Listen. By his own evil desires, he is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full-born, gives birth to death. Listen, there are things that you're going to choose to do that are a result of your sin nature. When I pursue righteousness, I am going to know when I should and shouldn't do something. And you're going to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to come out and he's going to pound you. He's going to thump you. And you're going to know what you did was wrong or right. And you're going to have a choice to make. I either get out of the situation or I continue going down this road. Because I know if I continue going down this road, it is in blatant disregard to what God has called me to do. How God has called me to live. So I pursue righteousness and I pursue love. I love God first and foremost, and I love others second, just as I love myself, because that's the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. But I pursue righteousness and love. And listen, I believe wholeheartedly that this is played out day in and day out in our lives, because I believe this is one of the things. Listen to Proverbs chapter 23. Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. I have to receive instruction and and grace and understanding and knowledge from God's word day in and day out. Apply your hearts to instruction and your ears to words of knowledge. Don't fill your ears full of a bunch of junk and then expect wisdom to come out. Don't take in a bunch of junk, whether it's TV or social media or newspapers or whatever you read. Don't take in a bunch of junk and then think wisdom's going to come out if you avoid or neglect reading God's word. Wisdom comes by pursuing righteousness and pursuing God's word and chasing after it. Why? Because I want to apply my heart to instruction and I want my ears to hear the words of knowledge from God's word. And so here's a couple of things. I just want to leave you with these things. When we pursue righteousness and love, there are two things that I think are, are big things in our lives that I think will help us out. Now, you may or may not have children. That's all right. You may have children. They may be out of the house. But I believe that these are a couple of things that you can focus on that Proverbs talks about. Number one, Proverbs 23, verse 12, or uh, 22, verse 6 says this. True love trains a child in the way he should go, and when he was old, he will not depart. Listen, I know you can't, you cannot control your children once they leave your house. I understand that. But I want to challenge you today, if your kids are still with you, that you lead your children to the Lord. 
Let them see your struggles. Let them see your need for grace. Let them see your need for the gospel more and more every day. Learn to apologize. Learn to give grace. Learn not to yell. My biggest struggle right now, I get so frustrated because it's pick, 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 pick. And it's like a balloon. <laughs> and then dad, you know what happens with dad, right? Dad blows. <laughs> yeah. It's like time bomb going off. I'm now rip, heads are going to get ripped off and somebody's going to be hating life. And I say that cautiously because I don't really rip heads off, obviously. But it's just one of those things. You know what I'm understanding, right? Like you just blow. It's, it's, it's a constant thing. But you have to learn to train your child in the way he should go. Sarah uses this example a long time ago um, because I make comments when I drive and Ethan's in our backyard and he's got this little black play school pickup truck. And he's driving it across our patio. And all of a sudden, he sticks his head out the front window. He's like, watch where you're going, idiot. And Sarah's like, you're not going to believe what you're texting me. You're not going to believe what your son just did. I'm like, what? I'm thinking it's going to be something great. <laughs> she tells me, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Train a child in the way he should go, and he will not depart. Train him in bad ways. You and I know that there are plenty of bad decisions you've made that your son or daughter repeats. You know, there's a country song. I'm trying to remember uh, the exact words of it. But, you know, the, the idea is, I've been watching you, Dad. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. All right? And the, the dad's like, well, where'd you learn that, son? I've been watching you, Dad. Oh, no. All of us have failures. All right, But we want to pursue righteousness and love. And so I need to train my child, to lead my child, to love the Lord, to invest in them. It's vitally important to train your child in the ways of the Lord, to partner. Listen, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that you partner with the church. It's not the job of the church to raise your kids to love Jesus. It's your job. We partner with you. We're going to help you out. We're going to encourage you. We want to help you out in every way we can. But it's your job to lead your children into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Teach them how to have a quiet time. Teach them how to read the word. Teach them to ask questions. I don't know, son, that's a great question. I don't know, daughter, that's a, that's a good one. Let's go find out together. Train a child in the way she'll go and they will not depart. And then number three is this. And it's something I've been convicted of a lot. It's something that I see a lot with working at FedEx, but is this. I think you have to watch your words. The Bible says very clearly that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes we say things that we shouldn't say. Sometimes we allow things to go a certain direction that we shouldn't do. And one of the things I've experienced while working at FedEx is, is this, that there are a lot of guys, and, and it reminds me of the Navy, so it's not any big deal, but there are a lot of guys who get a bent out of shape and say a lot of things, and you're sitting there going, huh. So I made it my goal. Number one, I watch what I say. Number two, when somebody starts flipping out, I try and make them laugh, whatever that means. All right. Now, I don't get crude. I'm not, but I, I just try and relax. Hey, we got we to mellow out. It's not that big a deal. It's freight. It's a pallet with a bunch of junk on it. All right. Chill out. You know, but people flip out. 
But I think one of the greatest things you can do as a person is you have to watch what you say. And I'll even say this as a, as a, as a person, as a teacher, as a, you have to watch what you say. Why? Those who guard their lips, listen to Proverbs chapter 13, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly will come to ruin. You and I know in today's world that all it takes is one miscue. And what you said is spilled out all over, whether it's media, social media, or anything else. And you're done. It's over. I saw a video yesterday, and I have no clue how I found it. But it was an American citizen who was trying, says he was trying to lead people to Jesus. I think he was drunk. I'm literally, I believe he was drunk. Because he kept claiming to be Jesus, first of all. But then every other word was like, F this, F that. You bunch of sinners need to F and repent. And it was like, what the? And people were flipping out on the guy. And I'm like, yeah, I flip out on the guy too. And I thought the people who he was, he was in Uganda, Africa. And I thought of all the people who showed the most Christ-like character was the people that he was going off on. Now, that guy was completely out of line. I doubt his Christianity, number one been drinking too much, probably listened to something and decided to go off. What you say matters. How you speak to your kids matters. When I've been coaching baseball the last summer and we had a couple calls made against, for us against the other team and I hear kids tell the ump, he blankety blank is a piece of blank. You're like, you're 12. That comes from home. And what I can tell you is this. What you say at home will get repeated. And the people that you can invest in are not just the people that are in your house. But what you say matters. Whether it's here at church, in your house, when you're checking out, when you're in your car. You have to watch your words because your words should speak life. Matter of fact, there's a song about that, right? Yeah, Speak Life. Great song. But Proverbs 15, verses 1 through 4 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. And the soothing tongue is a tree of life but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. See, the only true wisdom is this, is knowing that you know nothing and God knows everything. That you have the understanding and the ability to understand that all wisdom begins and ends with God. And so the simple thing is this, and I believe this wholeheartedly, we have to evaluate our lives we have to be obedient to God. We have to pursue righteousness and love because that's what Jesus called us to do because it's first and foremost about Christ and Christ alone. Matter of fact, Paul says it this, I boast not in who I am, but I boast solely in the power of Christ because he is the one who sustains me and he is the one who gives me life. And so here's very simply what I want to do today is if you have never put your faith and trust in Christ, we're going to have, I'm going to have the, the worship team come up and lead us in this song. You can simply do it where you're at. 
The Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. All right? Now we want you to make that public. So you can do that today while we're singing. You can come up here and talk to me. I'd love to pray with you. You can see me after the service. We'd love to do that. But I think the greatest thing you can do is if you want to be a wise person, you start with God and you end with God. Everything else in the middle is a pursuit of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that we know that we are not wise, that we are fools. We run into sin. We run headlong into problems and struggles. And God, we know that we are sinners. We know that we can be saved by grace through faith. And so God, we put our faith and trust in you. We put our faith in the fact that you, Jesus, died on the cross. You bore our sins. You carried our sins. You went to the grave to take our sins there. God, but you did not stay there. You rose again. And you offer us life and life more abundantly. That we could experience life in you. That we would have life in Christ. That apart from you, we can do nothing. But in you, we can do all things. And so God, I pray today that if there's anybody here who's never put their faith and trust in Christ for the first time, God, that they would do that today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to